Ministry of Old Paz Baptist Church in Northfield, Minnesota, coming to you live from my concrete compound here, uh, way out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I hope you're doing well here today. Let me see. Hopefully my volume is okay. Looks like it's all right. I think I'll be loud enough. I'm sure of it. Uh, Generally, it's not a problem with me being loud enough. All right. Well, anyway, I hope you're all doing well today. As I was off last week, uh, my wife was having a baby. And uh, I was going to take longer off. And I was like, you know what? I just can't do it. (laughs) I got to do something. So anyway, uh, that uh, things are fine, except I think some cats ate one of my chickens. And then there's one missing right now. So pray that they find this cat. My poor daughter was just in tears over that chicken. And I felt so bad uh, for her that that chicken, we found it underneath a tree. I'm pretty sure it was a cat or a coon that got it. But uh, anyway, so I'll be I'll be uh, having to take care of that stuff uh, soon. But uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. I just felt really bad for cared for the chicken. That's something people can go wholesale slaughter their babies, and they don't even care. But here's a little girl that cares about a little chicken. That's something amazing, isn't it? Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we um, we know that God is good and and faithful. And praise the Lord, we had a great success uh, with the delivery of. Silas into the world, and we thank God for that. And, um, you know, the Lord really blessed. I'll tell you, it was a moving experience, uh, to say the least. It was just, uh, you know, honestly, for me, here's, here's little Silas right here. He is, he's doing good. He's back over his birth weight. All right. So they said they kept saying, oh, he's going to be small. I'm like, that kid's not going to be small. I told my wife, he is not going to be small. You know, and I said, nah, he's not going to be. And he wasn't. He was born seven pounds, nine ounces. And now he's back up over his birth weight. Oh, he's doing good. And uh, praise the Lord for that, and and uh, what a blessing. So, you know, he's uh, doing good and and uh, healthy, and and uh, we thank the Lord. Hannah's doing good. She's resting, and we're keeping her off her feet and rested, and be like that for another couple weeks here. And uh, she doesn't need to get herself moving too much and doing too much, but taking care of the baby. So. Uh, and uh, we're taking care of all the rest. My daughters are doing a great job, and and all that good stuff. And we're we're having a, always an interesting transition, right? When you when you when you have a new baby in the house, number eight. So Silas Octavius Cooley he is the third son. And he was asked for, is what that means. And also, uh, he's the eighth child. So, um, hence his middle name, Octavius. 
Isn't that a blessing? So, anyway. Uh, we are just uh, thanking the Lord for that and praising God for his goodness to us uh, in, in giving us a son. Because, you know, God answered our prayers very specifically. I asked God to give us a son, another son. Uh, so Gideon would have a brother to grow up. And because uh, there's, you know, he's he's spoiled rotten by his sisters, but he needs a brother. So, uh, and the Lord, an older, a younger brother. He's got an older brother who will be a good influence on his life, I trust. But uh, he needs a, a younger brother. Everybody needs somebody like that to grow up with if the Lord allows, amen. So uh, anyway, we're, we thank God for that. And blessing for sure. See that. So hope uh so Hannah is in recovery and she's uh doing good. We were only in the hospital for twenty four hours. We got out of Alcatraz as soon as we could. We were like, All right, we gotta break out of here as soon as we can. Oh, we got out in twenty four hours, man. Three hots and a cot, and we were out in twenty four hours. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that, that, that we were able to, and she was healthy. And uh, boy, that delivery is an emotional experience. My goodness. It just, I, I talked about this on a video on YouTube, and I, I did put that video on on um, on Rumble also, just so uh, people could see it over on Rumble. And they're not, you know, don't care about YouTube, which I, I really don't. But but I care about the people that are on there. I do care about them, and I, I I hope they're finding Rumble and Sermon Audio and all those things. But anyway, I I told them you know the it's very emotional. You know that experience is a very emotional one. It, it just it really is, uh, and it teaches you such a profound respect for your wife. I believe it just it does. There's just this. It builds that respect over years time. Of course, marriage does that anyway, but but you you build if you have a godly marriage, if you love the Lord, if you're trying to walk with God. But just that that um you know that that bond that is there in watching your wife bring another life into the world. It, it's just it there's nothing like it. It's just the most unbelievable thing that you'll ever see in your life and um watching that was just incredible to me. and you know we thank god for it. thank god for recovery and as she continues to recover right because she needs some time to do that and uh, so i'll be home another week i mean i'm going to church and everything like that and preaching there but for the most part home you know uh another another week and not doing a full load. I don't know if I'll do another broadcast on Friday. I don't know. I I I don't know yet, but we'll see how things go. We'll just play it by ear here and see how the Lord leads and and uh what can be done about that. I I'm, I'm seeing this false revival and I have this I have this uh this uh, outline that I put together on 2 Corinthians. 
on uh, false apostles, deceitful workers, and the power of of false teaching and false teachers, that satanic power of false teaching. And I'm seeing this revival, this supposed revival that has come. It's kind of like the other goofball ones that we saw a couple weeks, a couple months ago. So anyway, um, we'll look at that and see. Uh, yeah, I don't know why it's cutting out. I'm not sure. I could have Andrew listen to it. I don't know. Find out. I'll have him take a look at it. Listen to the sound and see if it is. It could be it could be rumble, it could be this. I don't know if it's doing it on sermon audio. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. I have a good signal here. I don't have any problem here with that, so I'm not sure. Unless it's some kind of an update or something that needs to take place. Or if I wasn't talking loud enough into the microphone, it could have been that. I don't know. But we'll have him look and see and make sure there's nothing wrong with it uh, for a few minutes here before we we get started. We'll see. Okay. Anyway. So. Uh, thank the Lord for that, and uh, I'll tell you what having children does, though. It teaches you how selfish you are. It really does. It teaches you how absolutely self-centered you can become and how selfish you can be. A lot of single people are very selfish and self-centered. They're used to having everything done their way. Well, when you're a mother, you, you don't get to continue to be that way. You, you have to learn not to do that. And you learn by being self-sacrificing. And you learn by the world not revolving around you. Oh, okay. It's, it's, uh, Andrew says it's when I move my head. And you move back from the mic or turn your head. Okay, I'll try not to turn my head. I'll keep it straight. So Carl doesn't stick and whine anymore. Put it that way, all right? But anyway, what it does is it teaches you, having children teaches you not to be as selfish. Because you're responsible for other life. And and a lot of then a lot of people that have children later on in life, they realize how selfish they actually are. How self-centered they actually are. They might try to blame it on something else, but really it's not. People that have been single for long periods of time and without children, they tend to be very, very selfish. It's just the way it is. They don't have to share anything with anybody. They don't want to share anything with anybody. Then when children come into the world, then guess what? Well, life changes. You get to grow up. If you want to walk with God anyway and do it right, you get to grow up. You get matured real quickly.
And then if selfish people get married, boy, oh boy, oh boy, is that ever hard. That's a very difficult situation for children to go through and for parents to go through. Husbands and wives to go through. Definitely has an impact. Right? So, anyway, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at something here, though. And and by the way, you keep praying for us. Praise the Lord. I, I said this on another video, uh, but in case you didn't get to hear this, the Lord provided for our monitors and for our computer, our Mac and our monitors. So we are blessed by that and all set with that and thank the Lord for that. Uh, Andrew's going to be working on on uh, getting a video together when he gets it all set up and kind of show you what he's doing with it and how it works. So anyway, uh, you can take a look at that and see, but it'll be a blessing for sure. Uh, while I was uh, kind of... Uh, out, uh, so to speak, uh, with everything going on. I was doing some devotions, and this devotion came up in my studies, and that's why we're going to talk about that. Uh, dark, defeating dark imaginations, depressions, and discouragements. And, you know, the Bible has the answer for these things. I will say this, sometimes some dark imaginations and discouragements and things like that, sometimes they are just brought on by our own selfishness, our own self-centeredness. You know, that's that's a reality. That's an absolute reality. So we're going to do a Bible study here. I believe it's 2 Corinthians. Yep. Here it is. We're going to we're going to look at this today and talk about defeating dark imaginations. You know, the, the, the challenges of the mind. You know, I, I really, since the Lord allowed me to get depression before and anxiety issues and other mental health issues and things like that, God showed me and revealed to me the challenges And I got a fast-track lesson from the Lord of dealing with depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, all kinds of things like that, all at once. And... That's this Christian life. 
also, you're going to be thrown things. It's not, look, your trials in the Christian life are some of the same trials that lost people go through. Many men go through depression and kill themselves. Many men go through anxiety and take uh, loads of medication for it. Many go through depression and all those other things and then at mental health issues and then they take a bunch of drugs or they go to the professionals. They seek professional help. Well, you want to really mess yourself up, go to a bunch of doctors. They haven't put you on a bunch of dope. That's a good way to end up hanging from a noose. Hmm. Looks like that froze up a little bit here. There we go. That's a, that's a good way to hang from a noose, man. Is you do that, you fall for that. But what God did to me is he showed me, he shut me up to his word and said, you know what, you're going to, You're going to either trust me or lose your mind. Amen. You're either going to learn that your all comes from my word. Or you're going to lose your mind. That's how it's going to work. See, we we don't have the same set of rules the world has. They go by a different set of rules. We go by what the scriptures say. We're to be people of the book. That's who we're to be. We're to be people of the word. And I have to exercise faith and I have to believe that God Almighty is going to take care of me. So our warfare is a different warfare. And by the way, let me say this to you. The first thing, if you're taking notes, the first thing the Apostle Paul is teaching under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost is that Bad, that, that the mind is a battlefield. It is a war zone. 
that your mind is a war zone. That's what it is. Because Paul is going to talk about thoughts, and really he's talking about the preaching of God's word, and he's talking about preaching and 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 preaching down philosophies of men and all of those other things. But sometimes a message has to go inwardly to us. And we have to deal with it. We have to apply what the scriptures say to our lives. So number one, understand it's a war. It is a war of right thinking. That's what it is. The first thing you have to understand, it is a war for your thoughts. It is a war for the mind. It is a war for preeminence. Paul says, but I beseech you that I may not be be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. You are a soldier and you do not war after the flesh. It is a spiritual battle. Where the mind has to be the mind of Christ. The mind has to be in tune to the word of God. There's not a fleshly battle will win that. You won't win fighting in the flesh. There is no fleshly winning. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That's the first principle. Number one, you're in a war. Number two, you have this flesh, but you're not to war with it. You're not to war after the flesh. You're not to take carnal things. He's going to explain what that is. You're not to take carnal things, carnal principles, fleshly carnal principles to win this war. The war of your mind. You are told not to do that. 
It's not how you win. It's not how you fight. And some of you want to fight with the flesh. You want to fight with carnal reasoning. That's what you want to do. You want to you want to fight with carnal reasoning, carnal warfare, carnal understanding. Well, God didn't give you a book so you could war carnally. He gave you a book to fight spiritually. That it is spiritual warfare. That's why he gave you the book. That's why he gave you the instructions. It's the purpose. It's the reason. This war also recognizes that, yes, we walk in the flesh. We have it. It's here. We're stuck with it until we go home to be with the Lord. It's here. We have this fallen flesh. No getting around it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So he's recognizing it. Yes, there's a war. It's a spiritual one. It's not a fleshly one. You can't win it with the flesh. Then he tells you about your weapons. He tells you about your weapons. We have a spiritual war daily. It's not fought in the flesh. It's not fought in carnal ways with carnal weapons. You can't punch the devil. You can't physically fight the devil. You can't physically fight your own thoughts with carnal reasoning. Our warfare is spiritual. Our battles are spiritual battles. You want to know one of the major problems, though, with this warfare? A lack of contentment. Most people, most Christians, have so many problems and issues because they're not content. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Many times, any battles that we have and problems that we have, they arise from an absolute lack of contentment. You're not content with your marriage. You're not content with your husband. You're not content with your wife. You're not content with your situation. You're not content with what God has provided for you. You're not content with the church that you go to. You're not content with, with God's provisions and care for you. A lack of contentment will lead to depression. 
It will lead to vain imaginations, dark imaginations, depressions, and discouragements. Lack of contentment. I should have this. You know what that is? That's carnal reasoning. Why should you have this? I should know this. Why should you know this? Lack of contentment. Carnal reasoning. Trying to fight your thoughts with carnal reasoning. Carnal warfare. Again, Paul is not going to let you escape the analogy. Why am why do I keep bringing up the war? Well, because the apostle Paul keeps bringing up the war. Here's why. Depressed people and people with dark imaginations and thoughts. People that are overcome with discouragements. are passive in their thought life. They're passive. Any thought that comes in, they accept it. Any negativity bias, they accept it. Anything. Any doubts or fears, they accept them. Why? Passive. They're passive in their thought process. They don't command their thoughts. Why? Because they don't recognize they're in a war. The mind is a battlefield, and they don't accept the war. They accept everything their mind tells them. That's what they do. They accept everything their mind tells them. They are passive in their thought process. They are not at war. They are not commanding and leading their thoughts. They are being led by their thoughts. You want to be defeated by dark imaginations? Do you want to be defeated by depression? Do you want to be dis- defeated by discouragements? Then accept every thought that you have. Because when you do, you are this punching bag. And you're being beaten down by the world, the flesh, the devil, your mind. You're being beat down by it. And you're passive. You're not at war. 
I just started, Michelle, about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> you're passive. And when you're passive, your mind is beating you up. Most of your problems in the home are spiritual problems. When the spiritual is set right, when the spiritual order of the home is set right, the temporal and the carnal things will follow. Disorder breeds more disorder. We aren't to live our lives like lost, wicked heathens that war after the flesh. Out of chaos comes order. We have to war after the spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak and subject to this life. Walking in the spirit means I war in the spirit. My war is on my knees in the prayer closet. My war is in my Bible with the sword of the spirit. Using the word of God, my shield is the shield of faith. And the battle is in my mind. The spiritual warfare takes place in the mind. From the mind, it moves to my very members of my body. If Satan can trip you up and discourage you in your mind, if he can build up fear in the mind, then he can take you, then you can be defeated. And it's defeated by passiveness. It's defeated by passiveness. You are defeated by a passive life thought, a passive thought process in your life. That's how you are defeated. By not recognizing the war that is here of the mind. That's how the defeat comes. That's how I am. That's how I am defeated. Destroyed in the mind. Well, how do I know I'm not supposed to be passive in there? The Bible instructs us. You want to see some aggressiveness? Three times in the scripture, David asks. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? David is aggressive. He's at a war with his mind. He is not allowing his past, his thoughts to take him. He hasn't surrendered to his own thoughts. He hasn't just given in to his own thoughts and said, well, God must be damning me. That must be what it is. God must have abandoned me. That must be what it is. No, what David says is he asks his mind a question, his thoughts a question. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? 
And then he instructs his own heart and his mind, his thought process. He controls it. He doesn't let the mind control him. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted me? Hope thou in God. What David does is explain to his own soul, hope thou in God. He instructs his soul. He instructs his mind. Why? Because his thoughts were running away with him. And your thoughts can run away with you. And you become a passive person in your thought process. You become essentially an abused victim. You want to know somebody who's a dangerous Christian to be around? I don't like it when they act like it either. Bothers me. They're dangerous. They end up hurting people. And the reason they end up hurting people is because they're so self-absorbed. Dangerous. It's passive, mentally passive Christians with a victim mentality. Mentally passive Christians with a victim mentality. Man, are they bad to be around. Can't control their temper. Lash, instead of warring against their own thoughts, they're warring against other people. Not dealing with the disquietness of their own soul. But ready to wage war on others. And they become combative with others, but not their own mind and heart. And they're just walking around as victims. Woe is me. Right? Woe is me. It's a war, friend. You, if you, if you're passive, you're not fighting it. If you're giving in to believe every thought of your mind, so David says, "Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted me?" He asks a question: Why art thou cast down? Why art thou disquieted me? 
Hope thou in God. Then instead of being passive, you know what he says he's going to do? You know what he said he's going to do? He said, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. David is expressing faith in God. He is telling his mind, I am going to praise God. For the help that he is going to give me and that he is giving me. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. He's actively using his mind to think right things. He's being assertive with his mind. He's not being passive because he realizes he's in a war. And the war is in his mind. The war is in the mind. That's where it is. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. God's not saying be like the world and think happy thoughts. Just think of puppy dogs and rainbows and happy thoughts and go to your happy place. Swim in the mountains of rainbows and be playful. No. We're Christians. We don't live in la-la land. We have biblical direction. And we follow the scriptures and what they say to do. Not not self-help gurus. Not Jordan Peterson. Right? Not carnal, worldly, wise man. But the scriptures. You know, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal weapons. When we war against false doctrine, which is what Paul is discussing in philosophy and whatever other things that God has us to war against, we don't war in the flesh. We war in the spirit. Right?
Man, that guy got mad at me because I censored him. Don't come on my broadcast and interrupt my broadcast. Go take your garbage somewhere else. Bye-bye now. Anyway. So in other words, basically our minds... Our hearts have to be directed. We have to understand, number one, this is a war. But it's number two, it's not after the flesh. Number three, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Not carnal weapons. They're not carnal weapons. They're, they're, they're mighty weapons through God to the pulling down of strongholds, which we're going to talk about. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us about the weapons. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You know about these weapons. We've talked about them. I'm not going to belabor the point of the weapons. I'm going to get back to the main outline. But put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan will use your broken and troubled mind. He'll use it. Finally, my brethren, put, put, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. For all saints. Above all, taking the shield of faith. It's the shield of faith, friend. The Bible tells us over and over again, the war you have on is a war in the mind. That's the battlefield. And you're in a war. You can't be passive. You can't accept every thought that comes into your mind. See, you think it's like this. Well, I don't accept like perverted thoughts, like when something's about pornography or lust. Right, you shouldn't. You should fight that. But what you might accept, though, in your mind is depressions and discouragements. 
right? That's what you might accept. You might accept uh, discouraging thoughts. You might accept depressing thoughts. You might accept those thoughts. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Through God. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. To the pulling down, but are mighty through God. Our weapons are mighty. He says that in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's God's might to win the fight. The weapon is to be done. The weapons are to be, are, are to be used in the power of God's might. His strength. His might. So you have to understand that you're not allowed just to sit. You're not lost people that are allowed to get into a yoga, a yoga sit and, and, and hold your hands up and, and hum, um, 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 right? You're not allowed to do that. You're you're in a battle. You're in a war and you're not allowed to be passive. And too many of God's people are passive in their thought process. I can't drive that home to you enough. The necessity of you not being passive. With your thought process. It says that, but mighty through God, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. God's word. Is mighty to the pulling down of stronghold. God's weapons, the weapons of our warfare, they're mighty to God. Mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. What are strongholds? Strongholds are holds of the enemy. You know, we talk about, um, 
hold the fort for I am coming. There's strongholds that God's weapons pull down. The weapons of our warfare pull down. Now, primarily, the application of this is against false doctrine, against false teaching, against things that are wrong. But you know what? False doctrine and false teaching goes on in most saved people's minds. It it does. They... When God's people get depressed and discouraged, they start believing things that are not biblically accurate. Now, they would never teach those things to others, but they believe those things. They begin to believe those things. Their minds. And discouragement and depression will come when you stop believing what God says and you believe what others say or what. Your mind tells you. Right? You start believing what your mind tells you. And then when you do that, you'll get depressed. Strongholds can be in your mind. And many of them are. Where there are strongholds of the enemy that are, that are there. Are there strongholds of false beliefs in your mind, your heart? You're accepting things that are not biblically accurate. Your focus no longer becomes what is right, what is true. But fearful things fill your mind and heart. And dark imaginations will run, they'll take you over. Through God, our spiritual weapons are to be used. Pulling down of strongholds, those holds of the devil, those things that would derail us and take us and trip us up and bring us to failure in the Christian life. Paul goes on to say, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And here we have again war language. You're taking captive. What are you doing? You're being assertive and you're being aggressive with your thought process. You're being assertive with your thought process. That's what he's saying. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling you. Bringing into captivity. What is that? That's war. Into captivity every thought. To the obedience of Christ. Every thought.
to the obedience of Christ. You're taking it captive. You know, the Bible uses that word captive as Satan taking the lost. They ta- he takes him captive at his will. The difference between me and uh, or us, you and I, and the lost. The difference is that you and I are to take our thoughts captive. And bringing into captivity every thought. Right? Every thought brought into captivity. Bringing into captivity every thought. That's war language. That's that's war language. That's what it is. That's what it's designed to be. War language. Why? Why? Because Paul is telling you it's a war. You know, you have Alex Jones used to uh, info wars because there's a war on for mind. Well, there is. But his information and getting, he's not the way to fight that war. This book is the way to fight that war. See, you have to learn that everything has to be brought into captivity, every thought, to the obedience of Christ. It's war. I mean, am I getting that through to you or are you getting that? That it's a war. That that your thoughts of your mind must be aggressively, you must assertively, aggressively take into captivity every thought. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. See, the lost, God is not in all their thoughts. Meaning they don't balance what they think by God's word. They follow their heart. Like Trump said about abortion. Hey, we got the three the three exceptions here, huh? The three exceptions. Everybody's got to follow their heart. But we got the three exceptions here. Rape or the life of the mother or incest. Those those three, huh? Everybody's got to follow their heart. No, everybody's got to follow the Bible.
See, when you have an absolute authority for every thought that goes through your mind, which is Christ, and how do I do that? I do that through God's holy word. And when I've settled it in my heart that this book is my authority, it is my final authority for everything that I believe. When I am settled in my heart on that, that it is my final authority and it is absolutely perfect. Then my thoughts right? Then my thoughts are taken care of. Hold on, I'm Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Again, it's assertiveness, it's aggressiveness, it's not passiveness in the mind to accept everything as some victim. See, God dealt with the imagination all the way back in the Old Testament in Genesis. Your imagination, your imaging. Genesis chapter 6. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil, right? His heart imagined evil, and with the help of fallen angels and giants, he would fulfill the lust of his heart. Violence, destruction, murder, and robbery. The sons of God taking wives of all which they chose. Man was corrupt and not pure before the Lord. So then God Almighty would destroy man from off the face of the earth. Why would he do that? Because of his wicked imaginations. Because of his wicked imaginations in his heart. That's why he would do it. And he did it. God destroyed him. You better understand something too. God sees your imagination. And when you imagine things in your mind that are against God's word and not not proper and not biblical and not right, God is not well pleased with that. 
casting down imaginations is what we're told to do by the power of Jesus Christ. That's the provision that Christ had made for us on Calvary. By his resurrection, we have victory. We are not subject to a depraved mind that can control us. Though we live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're spiritual weapons, the pulling down of the stronghold. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Put it down in the mind and heart, and it will never manifest in the flesh. Hate it in the mind and heart, and it will never be performed in the flesh. The mind is the battlefield. Ephesians 6 shows us that we're to put on the whole armor of God because of the mind being the battlefield. In Genesis 6, they did not fight. They did not war. They did not have the armor to fight the evil imaginations of their heart. But God made a way with Jesus Christ. We are to take unto us the whole armor of God. We're to use the shield of faith, whereby we be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. There's a war and a battle. Casting down imaginations. You're to cast the imaginations down. You're not to accept them. You're to cast them down when they are wicked. You're to cast them down. Not to accept them. We find here that man's wicked imaginations destroy him. It is in Corinthians here that Paul tells him of the weapons of his warfare. And being a saved child of God, he need not give in to his imaginations. Men think that they will have peace if they walk in the imagination of their own hearts. The Bible warns us of that. And it came to pass, and it and it come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse that he blessed himself in his heart, saying, "I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart." So many people walk in the imagination of their hearts, and by the way, that don't always mean pornography and 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 fornication it's your own heart it's you believing your own mind and heart it's you believing it following it listening to it accepting it it's called walking in the imagination of your own heart The Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. You know, we can be deceived by the images that we conjure up in our minds and our hearts. Be careful what thoughts you think and conjure up in your mind. If you follow them, they will destroy you. You have to remember that God knows our imaginations, the things that we chamber in our imagery. 
And it shall come to pass in Deuteronomy 31, 21. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them that this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination, which they go about even now before I have brought them into the land, which I swear. God knows our imagination. He knows what we think in our minds and hearts. God knows. Look what God told, uh, or look what David told his, look what David told his son. And thou Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. You know, this is what God wants from his children. Know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart. With a perfect heart. What does that mean? Sinless? No. It's oneness of heart. It's single-mindedness. Serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. Thou seek him, will be found of thee. If thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. See, focusing your mind and your heart on the Lord. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and of Israel, our fathers, keep keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. This is a prayer that you can pray. God, please keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee, praying for the next generations to come. Keeping that in your heart and your mind. You know what God hates? And a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Does your heart devise wicked imaginations? Do you give into your heart? Do you take it and devise wicked imaginations? You know what that word devise means? Look at it. it. Means to invent, to contrive, to form in the mind by new combinations of ideas. In a bad sense. Devise not evil against thy neighbor. To conjure up, to invent. 
sometimes people have evil surmisings and they devise wicked imaginations. God will teach you if you're his child, lustful thoughts and wicked things, not to give in to them, not to, not to think about those things because they lead to sin. And you're to hate those thoughts and you're to war against those thoughts. You are to stand up and you are to war against them. And you are also to stand up and war against your mind when it devises wicked imaginations. When it, when it conjures up things that are evil and wrong and are not correct biblically. Which can be as giving into despair and discouragement. Accepting despair and discouragement as truth. God hates that. You're to take control of your thought process in your mind. Prayer is a weapon that is to be used. We are to ask God to keep things in the imaginations of our hearts. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, Keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee and give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, thy statutes, and to do all these things and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. You are not to believe your thoughts like that you are to ask God to strengthen, to, to form your thoughts. You are to ask God to, to put into your heart right things, right thoughts into your mind. You are to pray for help with your thought process. You are to ask God to help you with your thoughts. Not just give in to woe is me, I am undone, my life is horrible, everything is bad. You're to ask God to help you with your thoughts. You were instructed to do that. Here is a prayer of a man that was asking him to prepare the heart of thy people and prepare the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. Ask God to prepare your heart for him. Many people in depression and discouragement, many of God's people, they don't pray and ask God to help them diligently. They pray one time flippantly like, God bless my cornflakes, when their whole brains are melting around them. And they're praying this little passive, not assertive, not bombarding the throne of God, not coming in boldness before the throne of God, that we may obtain mercy and grace in a time of need. 
No, they're acting like they ain't got a care in the world. They're, oh, God, please just help me, Lord. I and, and they're in despair, but they're not going to God. They'll go to the dope man down the road and get dope. They'll go to the professionals. And they'll pay God some lip service. They don't praise God. They don't direct. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. They're not doing that. Like I asked, did you, do you praise God? I mean, did in your discouragement, have you thanked God for anything? Well, I have so much uncertainty in my mind. I, I don't really, you don't have anything to be thankful to God for. How about the fact that you're breathing right now? How about the fact that you're still alive? No, I don't have assurance of my salvation. Well, how about the fact you ain't in hell yet then? Amen. How about the fact that you're not burning in the lake of fire for all of eternity right now? How about the fact that God gives you food to eat and breath in your lungs? Something to praise God for, isn't it? How about that? You ever think about praising God for that? You ever think about thanking God for that? That his mercy endureth forever? I'm going to tell you one thing right now. God will bring you down so low in your life. And he'll teach you and he'll show you. That you'll settle it in your heart. That Lord, I'm going to serve you until I die. Even if I go to hell because you're worthy. You're worth it. Because you're worth it. Let me ask you a question. Would you? Would you serve God even if you went to hell? Because he's worthy? I don't like that question. Well, I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. And I know that's not biblically accurate in that sense that God's people don't go to hell anyway. But the point is, is that you got to settle that in your heart that he's worthy to be praised.
He's worthy to be praised. Right? As a child of God, I can tell you something. I've been in the depths of despair. I've been pretty low. And by God's grace, I've had him lift me up out of that despair and pull me out of it. And he's always given me strength to serve him. Bible talks about, um, the Bible clearly warns us of walking after the imaginations of our own hearts. At that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it to the name of the Lord. To Jerusalem, neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil When a man doesn't listen to sound wisdom and instruction, he walks after the wisdom of his own heart and the imaginations of his own mind. It's a dangerous place to be. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. The Lord saith, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, Either walk therein, but but have walked after the imagination of their own heart, and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, even this people, with wormwood, and give them water of gall to drink. The Bible, again, tells us, Yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked every one in the imagination of their evil heart. Therefore, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant I commanded them to do. They did them not. Over and over again in the Old Testament, we see men that walk after the imagination of their own hearts. and do not walk in the spirit and do not war in the spirit, but they succumb and give in to the flesh. The Bible warns us over and over again. Jeremiah 13.10, this evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them shall even be this girdle, which is good. They said, there is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices, and we will, everyone, do the imagination of his evil heart. So that if a Christian comes to a desperate place in his mind and heart and walk after the imaginations of his own heart, their own desperate thoughts can sink them. They will turn from the Lord and to their own imaginations. The transgression of a man begins in his imaginations that are imaged from his fallen and wicked heart, because that when they knew God, 
Look what it says here in Romans chapter 1. In verse number 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Now, I know God's talking about lost people here, but I'm going to tell you what, if you want your imagination to get away from you or to control you or to take you, be unthankful. If you're not actively, aggressively, assertively being thankful for God, you'll give over to your own vain imaginations. See, that's what God, that's what the Lord showed me when my mind was melting, melted. It was melted on the, whoops, it was melted on the sidewalk, man. Not literally, but it felt like it. And God showed me. Here's how it's going to work, son. Either you're going to believe me and my book, or you're going to believe your fallen, broken mind. Either you'll have an absolute standard of perfection to follow, which is this book, or you'll follow your heart. You'll follow your broken mind. Or you'll follow others and their philosophies, which got you into trouble in the first place. Because you stopped following me with a single-minded heart and you started to listen to other voices. Remember that verse? And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Perfect. Fixed. One motive. Or for the, for the Lord searcheth all the hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. Because you either going to follow me, you're going to believe me, you're going to believe my book. You. Are going to trust in vain confidences in the arm of flesh, which already failed you. It's interesting when I was going through depression and these things about four or five years, been about four years ago. So five years ago, maybe this time, four years ago, I can't remember something like that. But anyway, the the time frame of when this conversation took place, and my friend who's a preacher in Nigeria. Uh, Brother Yinka Fasten, he's from Nigeria also, but uh, he's a, he was a preacher and I mind, he came for a visit and he saw that, you know, I was in 
pretty rough shape. And he didn't understand really everything that I was going through at all. But I remember having a private conversation with him and, you know, asked him to pray for me and everything like that. And he, he did, and he was. And I told him at the time, I said, I, I just, I just want my mind back. Just, I just want my mind back the way that it was. I, I don't want my mind to be like this any, anymore. I just, I, I want it to be back the way I, I was before. And he said something to me that I didn't understand and appreciate right then, but I did later. He said, but Jason, he said, that failed you. And God wants to give you something better. And I, I was, I rejected that somewhat, not, not entirely. You know, I wasn't rude about it or anything. I was, I was pretty broken at the time. But when he said that to me, later on, God revealed unto me that very thing. And I found my situation in the scripture over and over again. But I found that in the scriptures. Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And even, this, even what I did, what I said when I rejected what God had done, in that sense, or I didn't reject it, I asked God, I asked God to take it away, take it away from me. Wait, what does that mean? Well, Paul didn't see it as a gift at first. He didn't see it as a gift. Because nobody, it, if somebody, if you, if I walked out of my office here or my studio here and there was a brand new 2023 Ford F-350, uh, truck with the keys in it saying it's paid for. I wouldn't be praying and asking God to get rid of it for me or to take it from me because you don't ask God to take gifts from you. He said, but, but Paul didn't see it as a gift at first. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, this thing, what is this thing? This gift. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice 
then it might depart from me. <laughs> or just get it. I don't want it. Just take it. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, God told me. And that conversation took, you know, a year or two later for me to come to the position of really understanding everything, or maybe months. I don't remember how long it was. But God said to me, in essence, through the word, I'm not talking about audible voices or anything. I besought the Lord. Me too, I did. I, I besought the Lord more than thrice, probably. Lord, would you just take this away and bring my brains back? Would you just take it away and, and, and make my mind bring it back to where it was and, 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 and let me have that back? And he said, no, I won't. I won't. But my grace, it is sufficient for it, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. I will be with you. But I will not take it away. You can ask me for almost anything. Biblically speaking, of course. And I will give it to you. Don't ask me to take that away. Because I won't. I will not remove it from you. But I will give you grace. And strength. To get through it. To bear it. I, I'm telling you. I, I'm not kidding you when I say this to you. There are so many things. Provisions and care for my family. Uh, babies being born. God providing in the, it, it, the most amazing things. <laughs> Do you understand? Okay. Before... About six years ago, I lost many friends. I lost many followers that followed our ministry. I lost people that I thought were my friends. I saw giving and everything drop where people basically cast my name out As the most wicked man in the world. People did videos about me. They absolutely lied about me. They tried to slander me. And they tried to destroy my ministry. And destroy me. And while that was going on. I was in the heat. Of an absolute terrible depression. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Anxiety. I didn't sleep. I had a fearful mind. I thought I was going to lose my mind. 
And I, I just, I lost a lot of friends or people that I thought were my friends and followers, everything, every, like it went down, like way down, like, but I can honestly tell you today by the grace of God, that thorn that he gave me was a gift because he showed me in his word that he is faithful. He showed me in his word he will take care of me, I, but he will not remove that thorn lest I be exalted above measure and I fall into the snare that hit me before. And you know something? I, I'm going to tell you something that's amazing to me. We have seen more spiritual growth in our church. Our church has grown. We've seen more spiritual growth. Uh, online, we have had more outreach than ever. I went to Europe last year. He and preached. And God provided for it. And we were able to preach the gospel and encourage people and look forward to the future because I'm going back someday. I'll tell you what, I'm going back to Europe. I, I know that's going to happen. I already know it. I already know that's going to happen. I just do. I, I know God's going to send me back there. I, I already know it. The trip was paid for. For not just me, I didn't like consume it upon my lust, but for others, to be a blessing to others. God actually gave me better friends. I mean, real friends and real people that, that wanted to grow in the Lord and live for God and encourage the ministry and encourage me and, and, and they actually cared. <laughs> I... And there's more to come. Greater things than these. So I'm telling you, I, I, you can't give in to your thought process. You can't give in to depressions and discourages, discouragements. You've got to trust the Lord. You've got to believe God. It just it brings tears to my eyes because I, I just I'm I'm telling you, God has been so good to me. I mean, during all this time, he gave me two sons. We are told to cast those imaginations down. Cast them down with the word of God. Cast down imaginations in every high thing. Man's mind will constantly exalt him over God's word. Man's vain thoughts and imaginations run counter to the, to the clear teaching of the words of God. 
Because of that, all things must be in subjection to the word of God. If our imaginations are allowed to vaunt themselves over or exalt the thoughts of our hearts over the words of God, then our very imaginations are antichrist. Look at what 2 Thessalonians tells us. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. Now you look back at 2 Corinthians 10. Look at the instructions you're getting. Every thought, right? Casting down imaginations at every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Do you see those two who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God? So then literally, my imagination my thought process, my mind can exalt itself above the knowledge of God and it is antichrist when it does and I'm to reject it and I'm to follow what God's word says. I'm to believe what God's word says, not my own mind and heart. You're to cast them down. Not with carnal fear and carnal reasonings, but with the word of God. How do I do that? Bringing into captivity. You are a soldier in the Lord's army. And you are bringing that thought into the captivity, into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. But it starts commanding thoughts. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Doing mind. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's the mind that we have. Mind of Christ. Other verses for you, how to do that, how to cast them down.
The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want to show you this. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 6. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Listen, the Bible tells us it's self-denial. It's the life of self-denial. Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus didn't think about himself. He thought about others. He died to self. Let's look at this. By the way, whatsoever things seven times in the Bible. I think you better think on these things, right? Whatsoever things seven times in the King James Bible. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren. Let's back up. And the peace of God. Actually, let's. Boy, these are some good instructions. I think I'll read these to you. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Okay. So I'm, I'm thankful and I'm rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren. Here's where you come down. This is, remember, I'm to take charge of my mind. With the word of God, I'm not to be passive. Finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You are commanded to think on these things. Every thought must be weighed in the balance against Christ. It must match up with Christ's word and be consistent with the scriptures. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Man does not always think rightly. Timothy had a problem with his thought process. 2 Timothy 1.7. He 
He had a problem with his thought process too. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What God gave us. Power, love, and of a sound mind. Amen. Carrying, what does that mean? Bringing into captivity every thought to the beats of Christ. Carrying captive the whole understanding. That that it is so illustrating it with divine light that it clearly sees Christ to be alone, able, willing, full, and suitable Savior. And so becomes obedient to him both as Savior and as King. Said one, such an enlightened soul looks to him alone for life and salvation, ventures on him and relies upon him and is desirous and willing to be saved by him in his own way. He receives and embraces all his truths and doctrines with faith and love and obeys them from the heart and cheerfully and willingly submits to all his commands and ordinances. For though he is taken by the grace of God and all his strongholds, reasonings and high thoughts are demolished by the power of God in the gospel and he himself is carried captive yet not against with his will be voluntary subject of Christ it is by the word of God by the power of God by the mind of Christ it is a war and it ought to be fought like it's a war Amen. my feet on higher ground. Lift me up above the clouds, Lord, where thy pure sunshine is found. Lift me up above Lift me up into thy strength. Lift me up above the shadows till I stand.
Amen and amen lifts me up above the shadows. Praise the Lord for that. All right, everybody. Uh, if you want to uh, pray for us, I, we would really appreciate it if you'd pray for our ministry and uh, pray for all of our needs to be met as the Lord continues to do that. And and uh, if you'd like to give to our ministry, you can go to oldpazbaptistchurch.org on the donate button. And uh, on there, and that guy will yell at you uh, right there. That guy with brown hair what happened anyway um but uh and you can give that way or you can give through paypal salvation preacher at gmail.com apple pay venmo cash app cryptocurrency whoops sorry sorry about that that guy is funny but not now okay anyway uh you can give through any of those and uh i hope that um uh, that uh, it was a blessing to you and it helped you. And, uh, let's let's play one more song here. I'll give you a chance to say hi if you'd like to say hi.
everybody god bless you take care i might be back on friday i just don't know we'll see how the week goes and uh with everything but uh, we'll see what happens with that and uh but you pray for us and uh we'll keep praying for you and uh the lord bless you and have a have a good night oh and if you'd like to tune in tonight in about three and a half hours i'll be preaching live on sermon audio and on rumble I'll be preaching on Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, all right? Back in the book of Ephesians there on Wednesday night, and Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, all right? So we'll see you uh, then, it, it, Lord willing, if that's if you're able to.